for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Good afternoon. Yeah, it's that time of week where if you've gone through the week and you're thinking, oh, look, I've just got a question about my dog or my cat or, you know, a bird, you can ask them because we've got Dr Paul McCarthy here to answer all of your questions. And Cheryl Shaw in once again. Hello to you both. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Now, Cheryl, are you wearing a bulldog brooch with a police hat? I am, but have a look at his mouth. Check out those teeth. They look quite good. Yeah, we're going to be talking about oral hygiene today in dogs. Because we don't want stinky puppy breath. No, we don't. No. And what are you chatting about today, Paul? Well, I'll, I'll follow that on with other diseases of the mouth that can make a smell but aren't related to teeth. Because they can be linked to all sorts of things, mm. can't it, if you've mm. got poor oral hygiene? Absolutely. Now, Cheryl, we're looking at oral hygiene in our pets. That's it's a big right. thing. Absolutely, Sarah. Look, we all brush our own teeth, but a lot of people don't think about brushing their dog's teeth. I believe it's really important that we do um, make sure that we're looking after our dogs properly. And it's a pretty simple thing to do to brush your dog's teeth. The main thing um, that we're wanting to do is make sure that the dog has really good dental hygiene because sometimes our dogs, and in particular those smaller breed dogs that don't like to eat their kibble, so they're harder kibble, they'll often be fed um, really mushy, you know, soft foods, mm. and that can often sit on the dog's teeth. And what it will do is um, it'll form, the, the plaque will actually form a tartar or cal- uh, calculus, and then that causes problems with dog's teeth. So, Paul, it's a really common thing for dogs to have dental problems, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. I think in my working career, I probably see on a daily basis... 50% of my patients have probably got teeth that need some work on them. Yeah, mm. and owners can help by brushing their dog's teeth. This is something that is, is quite easy to do, but you have to get the dog used to it in the beginning. Yeah, so this is a technique best taught to puppies. Yes. It, it is hard to bring an older dog around to that. You, you certainly can, um, often using food motivation. So you have you treat ready and you brush ready. So as you do a few brushes, they get a reward for doing so. Um, but puppies are really easy to teach. Yeah, and I think it's an important thing if you do start with a puppy, because there's a few other things you can be looking at as well a lot of puppies retain their baby teeth their deciduous Mm -hmm. teeth and so if you're keeping an eye on on their dentition you can see that oh yes they're still there so it's a trip off to the vet before they get much older to have those teeth extracted yeah it's it's interesting actually in that especially for small breed dogs overcrowded mouths can often lead to retained teeth particularly canines and so often at desexing we're removing those retained canines because they haven't come out as puppies yeah so you can see that in that early stage when you're brushing their teeth and one way to get used to it too if you're not sort of um, that dexterous with a toothbrush and there's lots of brushes available for dog's teeth it's you know ones that fit on your fingers so they're really easy to get mm, in I like in the, the beginning ones. Yeah. They're, they're easy to use yeah they're little oh. finger stools so Sarah they actually sit just over the top of your finger just like a little glove and you can put um, put your finger quite easily into the dog's mouth just to give it a brush okay. and get them used to it and making these sessions when you're beginning very short and yep. very positive this is an important factor because you don't want to turn the dog off by going hey here she comes again you know trying to clean my teeth yeah. So if you get them used to it, and like Paul said, giving them, you know, a treat, this is all very, you know, encouraging and it's it's a positive um, experience for the dog. But there are other things you can get. Um, that sometimes the toothpaste as well that you can use. You don't have to use a toothpaste. You can just use the brush itself and, like we said, using a treat. But you can get flavoured toothpaste like peanut butter. There's beef and chicken. Obviously, if your dog has an allergy to beef, steer clear of that one. But there are flavours that dogs sometimes really enjoy as well. Um, Some toothbrushes um, have 
a design that had, can clean three surfaces at once so they can clean sort of either side but they're a little bit harder to use and probably for the more experienced person but you know just starting off gently with a finger stall is a good way to to do that just starting your puppy with your finger is the first thing yes so you put some peanut butter or some of your toothpaste on your finger and you put the finger just into the lip and just have them lick your finger run your fingers over the teeth just to get really used to the fact that having your fingers in their mouth is a really sort of non-event issue like yeah. it's, it's an easy thing to do and then you start with your brushing yeah, and some of the dogs too were like the larger breed dogs. You need to get right up to the back of their teeth. It's so always the back. That's yeah. yeah, that's really important. So it's not just the little you know incisors that you're seeing at the front and the canines. It's really getting back there. And you want to get them used to it if you're putting your finger at the back of their. <laughs> that's right. Their Start mouth the front. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, the insides of teeth really are only for picking things up. So there's not much chewing that actually occurs there. So it's the back of the mouth where the food tends to pool and gather. Yes. So they're the ones, the molars and the premolars are the ones you're trying to clean. Okay. And another thing, there there are dental chews and, you know, things like that that you can use to help clean, but mm-hmm. some of them aren't quite as good as others. So, you know, if you can brush the dog's teeth, it's certainly going to help you, and it's going to help you in a few ways. Obviously, it's going to save you money in the long term because you're not going to be having to have so many, um, you know, dental checks, but you do need to make sure that you still get your dog checked annually at your vet's because there can be other things that go on. Sometimes dogs will break teeth on hard items like um, their, their toys or... Um, bones and this can cause a problem if they've got fractured teeth they can be in a lot of pain and you might not even realize it the other thing um, that we need to make sure is when we're checking in the dog's mouth some dogs chew at wooden items so they might chew at chairs or pieces of timber they can get splinters in their mouth so brushing their teeth gives you that opportunity just to see if there's things like that also, for dogs that are tennis ball focused, they often chew that felt off the tennis ball and it can get stuck between the teeth and obviously can get very, very smelly as it starts to decay. So, Paul, there's some, some things that people give their dogs, like um, deer antlers and cow hoofs. They, they're not particularly good for the teeth, are they? Yeah, so we need to remember that the, the, the teeth are used predominantly for, for mastication. They're, they're chewing up the food. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're using such hard products like the antlers um if they bite down on those particularly with their larger carnassial teeth at the back um we see slab fractures of those teeth mm. on a regular basis so it's about trying to find and how i normally t- talk to my clients is it needs to be 10 minutes of chew time so whatever you are giving provided that, that dog chews on that item for 10 minutes you're getting some benefit if it's too quick if they're going bite bite and gone they, they haven't really benefited from that chew at all. Um, so looking at some of the things that... So I often suggest things like pig's ears or um, kongs, rope chews. So things that they can really work on that don't have such a high density that the, rich, the risk of broken teeth is there. Yeah. With the rope chews, it's a really good idea too to remove those from the dog, not, not to let them have them Correct. because of the injury. They're a game time. Yeah. Yes, so you yes. play with them and then you remove them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I really do believe that cleaning teeth can benefit both the dog and your, your hip pocket in the end. Absolutely. All right, start brushing the dog's teeth to date <laughs> once a day. Look, to be honest, if your dog eats once a day, the best time to do it is actually after they finish their meal. Sure. If you eat twice a day, best to do it after, after both meals. Now, we've just had a listener called in, Paul. Uh, he wants to know when he gives his dogs things, food, etc., he goes and buries it. Uh, and he mm. wants to know why his dog is doing this. Okay, so often when you're giving a dog a treat that's not regularly given, um, it becomes a treasured resource. 
And so treated resources are often guarded. I don't want to eat it now in front of anybody in case it gets taken away from me, so I'm going to put it somewhere where I can then get it later. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly in some dogs, if they may have an increased anxiety about their environment, if they're sharing their environment for other dogs, for example, um, or if previously they've had treats removed from them. Um, So this is often a a mechanism of saying, I don't want it now because I don't feel safe eating it now, but I do want to have it. I'm going to take it somewhere and get it later. Okay, and that's pretty. That's a pretty general behaviour. It's like when kids get a toy and they take it up to their room straight away. Yeah, and hide exactly. It. So it's just yeah, looking exactly. after something you think is quite precious. That's right. So when when a resource, and it's, it's it's not so much for food, for example, because food comes on a regular basis. It's always present. There's nothing sort of um, treasured about that. But but treats in particular can have a very high. Um, ownership potential and therefore they they want to share that or or see it be used in front of other people in case it gets taken away. Okay. And we've had another question come in. Uh, This person's dog has a really great kennel, but the dog doesn't seem to like it. Instead, it it prefers to dig a hole and lie in that. So it doesn't go into the kennel, it just likes its own hole. Yeah. And this is a really common thing. Um, We often place a dog kennel where we would like it aesthetically in our garden. And that's not always where your dog wants to sleep. Mm, okay. Okay. So if the first thing could be where the kennel is isn't a location that would be ideal for the dog to feel that they can see out of easily, um, that they can have a good feeling of safety in that location. If it's overhung by trees, for example, it might not it might look too dark and in, imposing. So there can be lots of reasons why the actual location of the kennel isn't good. The second is the size of the kennel and the heat within the kennel. So particularly a dog who's digging a hole and lying in it is finding the kennel too hot. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, so when you're digging a hole, the, the, the hole is cooler. So as you, as you uh, whereas we're all avid gardeners, when you get down below that top surface, it's lovely and cool down there. And that's what the dog's looking for. Right. There are also some breeds of dog who actually prefer to have that soil against them. They roll in it. They, it's part of their game. Um, and so making that spot their own um, is part of that process as well. So it can be breed related as well. So that can be really hard. So you can try moving the Step kennel. Step one is, is, but... is move the kennel. Yep, doggy feng shui. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the second thing is, is often if it's a kennel but has um, sides in it, take one of the sides out. Okay. So that there's a, a better breeze. air breeze through it. Um, putting some of their favourite things in it. So what you would often do is start with the kennel inside the house and you throw the treats into it so the dog goes, oh, being in the kennel's fun. I like being in the kennel. And then you sort of move that to where you'd like the kennel to be initially and see if a dog goes to where it is. Yeah, that's some good steps to try to get the the dog back into the kennel. Yeah, I think it's like when you have a, you're making your own bedroom. You might want the bed on one side of the room or the other side of the room or in a different room completely. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and dogs are the same. They're things that make them feel safer. Alan, hello. You're from Girvan and you've got a question about your pup. She's had a, a filthy, horrible, bad breath from day one. What breed I, I is mean, she, really Alan? I mean, really bad. All dogs have got bad breath, but this is not natural. Sure. <laughs> so so what breed is she? Um, a um, foxy, a... a um, uh, um, what do you call them? Uh, a fox terrier. A fox anyway. terrier. Yes. Okay. So she's short-haired around the mouth? Yes. Yeah. Because sometimes bad breath from, from around the mouth in a, in a dog can actually be that there's um, moisture around the lips and you get actually, it's due to a dermatitis rather than from, from the um, oral cavity itself. So commonly you'll get breath. So remembering that what breath is, is often gas being produced from the digestion of what you're eating. So commonly dogs that are eating high fat or high sugar 
foods will often have a much stronger breath than dogs who are eating more high-fibre-based diets. So one of the things you can do for dogs that have bad breath that's unrelated to dental disease or oral cavity disease is look at feeding diets that are higher in fibre and lower in digestible fats and sugars because that will often produce less gas um, and therefore you'll have less breath produced. Yeah, I have um, five dogs like in the house mm-hmm. and uh, they all eat the same dry dog food. Um, which is a um, um, we just been eating it for years. We give them different snacks and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. uh, and we do give them all a um, those treats that you get that's supposed to clean the teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they get one of them a week sort of thing too. But so so one a week will never be enough to do anything for teeth, sadly. Uh, and I, that's for all our callers. But I, I hear that every day. I give my dog a dog treat for its teeth once a week. And it'd be like me saying to you, do you brush your teeth once a week? Yeah. Yeah, because it, cause it needs to be on a daily basis for any of those dental hygiene products to make a difference. So um, I'm scared to give them bones because we, we had a, a one of my dogs um, ended up swallowing a chicken bone, of course, you know, and, and but she's all right now. And uh, yeah, look, and, and I, I hear that Alan too. Bones anymore, so. But I, I, I'm not a bone vet myself, so I, I tend to shy away from bones. My yeah. general rule for bones is that that the bone can be nibbled on on the edges, anything taken off it is fine, but once the dog starts biting into the bone, the bone is removed. In that bones are the one of the most common causes for slab fractures of the teeth. Oh, yeah. um, and as your history is, we, we constantly remove bones that are caught in the larynx, the pharynx, the esophagus, and then further down, stomach, intestines. So um, certainly never a cooked bone, and if you are going to give a bone, the bones for the enjoyment of chewing the edges is not for chewing the whole bone up, absolutely not. Um, the other I don't thing know that can... whether it's to do with the diet because, like, like I said, she, she's had this breath from, from when I first got her. I got her when she was uh, five weeks old and she came with the bad breath. Yeah, so what I'm, the, the, the thing about it is that each dog has a different digestion ability as well. So what could be good for one dog may not be digestible for another dog. So this could be more about the fact that, the, that not all diets fit all dogs. Um, every, everyone has a different ability to digest as you would know in people some people can handle different foods better than others so there's dietary intolerances in people and there can be dietary intolerances in dogs as well and so it may be that though your other four dogs are fine with this diet your pup may not um, and it may be that he gets something different to trial and see if that will make a difference for that breath for you okay mate alright Thank you. No problems. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with that. 49216216. We've just got Peter from Maryland now. Peter, you've got a question about your dog. Yes, I have. About his skin, it is. Mm Mm-hmm. And what it is is um, I've had a really... um, He's about a five-year-old Roman nose bull terrier. Uh He's white, so he's got the pink skin. Yep. And um, up to about six months ago, his skin has always been perfect, but um, about a month ago, he got a skin rash. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... That was under his belly predominantly at first, and then it spread kind of all over his body. Yeah. Um, I've been to the vets, and they've given me medication, which has definitely relieved things. But I was just wondering what you potentially think it could have been, and what could I rub on his skin to actually prevent this coming back in the future? Yeah, sure. So, so certainly the bull terrier bites, bites breed type are very related to grass and seasonal allergies. So yeah. we see grass allergies in the bull terrier 
almost every summer from about September through to March. Um, it's a very common disease. We see it very commonly in, in grasses such as paspalum and buffalo grass. They, they're very, very allergenic for lots of breeds of dogs, but particularly for the, the bull terrier family. Um, so grasses would be my number one. The fact that it started in a non-haired area, such as the ventral abdomen, the tummy, as you mentioned, would make a topical, a, a contact allergy very, very likely. Um, the second thing in a dog of, of that age that hasn't had it previously is that sometimes different cleaning products that have been used on the bedding or cleaning products or shampoos on the dog can cause reactions as well. Um, yep. Pollens and dusts can do different things as well. They're less likely to have come on so late. You're not actually born with allergies. You're, you're born with the potential to form one, but the reason you then form one is recurrent exposure to the allergen. So it, it could be that though there's not been an issue previously, the grasses are now causing reaction because of repeated exposure or there's been something new in the environment over the last few years that's caused that reaction to occur. So I certainly think contact allergy is your most likely. The second thing is food allergies can do that too. It's much more common in younger dogs to have a food allergy response, but have you changed the food at all in the last six months? No, the only thing, I give them a fair bit of um, tuna and um, I've backed that off a little bit, but I've, I've actually resumed that again now. Yeah, and he so... Has, he has, Yep. The omega-3, omega-6 fatty acids in fish are often very helpful for, for dogs. Um, yep. and, and there are things you can do to help allergic dogs apart from medications as well. So certainly there are some really great medications out there now to suppress allergies. And certainly talking to your local vet about those would be your first step because there's, there's heaps of really good things that will do that. You can use topical shampoos. Um, yep. As Cheryl knows, there's lots of good al low allergenic shampoos out there that can really help soothe that. A lot of those will contain aloe vera, which is very good at taking the redness and heat out of itchy skins um, yep. and then there are topical corticosteroid creams you can use um, even pawpaw can be quite handy for those very inflamed areas so have a chat to, to, your, to your local vet there are a lot of things you can use to help allergies in dogs um, they're very common as they are in people um, if you're lucky hopefully it will only be seasonal and you'll only have it probably in a, in a bull terrier generally if it's grass related from about september to march all right, the best of luck with that, uh, Peter. Let's go to John now in Maitland. John, what's your question for Dr. Paul McCarthy? G'day, Paul. How are you? Very well, thank you, John. That's good, mate. Mate, I've got a 16-month-old oh, male, Kelby. Um, he's got a really good diet of, like, brown rice, meat, stuff like that, mm -hmm. vegetables, uh, cooked chicken, uh, chicken breast, that is. Um, I've been told, I'm also on a thing called, on Facebook called the Kelpie Forum. Mm -hmm. uh, I get a lot of information from there. However, there are certain foods you can't give dogs. Is that right? Like onions? Abs yeah, absolutely. It's quite a, it's quite a list, actually. So, um, John, right. Tony, you're you spot on. Onions cause dogs to have their red cells broken down, so they develop an anemia. Um, fortunately, right. it's a reversible anemia. The, the, once you stop feeding the onions, the red cells will recover, but certainly never feed onions to a dog. Um, right, the, yeah. the second most common one, as I'm sure you're aware of, is chocolate, so that, that's a big no-no for dogs as well. Grapes, sultanas and raisins are no go so right. so grapes and, and any of that family sadly contain a fungus on the skin that can cause kidney disease in in dogs um they're, okay. they're never a go um and and certainly even looking at some of the mildly inflammatory things so tomatoes capsicums those sorts of things that have higher acidity can be can be irritant to dogs as well and then avoid anything that has a, a like a stone in it so don't give apricots 
avocados, any any of those sorts of things. So your basic vegetables like your diced potatoes, I buy the frozen kilo bag and I just boil them up. Yeah, um, little bits of broccoli, that sort of thing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all fine. Um, be a little bit careful of seeing things like peas and corn in that they have fairly little nutritional value um, and yeah. almost zero fibre. So people often think that they're doing a lot for their dog by giving peas and corn. They're just giving some sucrose. It's just, they're just sweet and yummy to eat, but they're not doing a lot nutritionally. But your other, any, any of your green vegetables are, are, are safe to use and they're often a very good yeah. source of fibre. Okay, that's really good. What about carrots? So, so carrots fine, and and carrots often are really often my clients use it as a treat because it's both good fibre and also sweet. You'll often yeah. get them um, rewarded by giving carrot as well. It, it's a good choice. Yeah, mate, he's, he's only had the best for that end of the pub. Great think, news! Aw, what a great pet owner. And and, yeah. the, and the forums are good. I, I encourage lots of my clients if you've got a particular breed go to the forum for those breeds because there's lots of very breed specific things as far as behavior as well as um, diseases and often looking at those forums can be a really great way to learn out whether even if you're looking at what kind of dog you'd like to get often even going onto those forums and looking at what's being discussed in those forums can help you choose whether the dog is right for you yeah good on you john for being so proactive very with your dog very impressive maxine you're in singleton and you've got a question for paul today hello paul how are you well thank you maxine that's good um, I just uh, wanted to ask you this. Um, I've got two dogs, both uh, poodle shishitsus. Uh, when they come out of the morning, now since the rain, one will only go underneath the carport on the cement. So I was wondering what I can do to try and deter him from doing that now. Yeah, so, so the first thing certainly is to make sure that that area is as clean as you can and scent free because often the smell of previous urine will encourage a dog to repeat urination in that location. The second is to, to try and encourage go out to the grassed area with them um, and, and stand in the grassed area. Hopefully they'll follow you out to that same spot and then use whatever phrase you have been using to encourage them to go. So for our dogs it's the word toilet um, and then praise the dog as much as you can for getting it right so this is a situation of A, trying to make the first place smell not as good and yeah. make the other place really exciting to go in the right spot uh, Can I get something that will I can sort of spray there too? So often citrus based smells are, and, and, and bleaches will often be very handy on concrete areas to remove the odour of a previous um, a previous urine and there are now these pheromonal um, grass sort of um, stakes that smell like uh, another dog's urine and it'll encourage a dog to go there. So you can buy these sort of plastic stakes you put in the garden and it'll encourage a dog to go near those. Oh, right. So where do you get those from? I, I know our vet practice has them, so most vet practices will probably have them, but also pet stocks will have them as well. All right. Good luck with that, Maxine. Let's go to Bob now in Argentin. Bob, you've got a question about your cat. Hello, yes. Um, I've got two elderly cats, I'd say they're at least 12 years old, mm-hmm. they're my daughter's cats by the way, and a younger one and about six weeks ago they started weeing inside mm. now uh, we let them out during the day no troubles, at the night time we've got cat litter and they, they've always done their business in the, the cat litter no troubles, till about six weeks ago they started weeing on the lounge yeah, okay, have there been any changes in your environment? No, no one, no. no one knew staying in the house, or no one actually not staying in the house. No, no, nothing's changed except the grass is starting to grow now. Uh, do you have new neighbours? <laughs> no, 
No, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh. So the most likely, uh-huh. most likely is that the cats are not feeling particularly safe in their environment, so they're choosing uh-huh. to go inside because they're not sure where to go outside. And the neighbours have just got a, a little dog, and it was whining and everything. Yeah, so and I'd say so the cats are not feeling safe. Another dog to keep that dog company. So now right. there's two dogs there. Uh, yeah, so you it, never it, even it, thought of that. Yeah, it's probable, <laughs> probable, but that's the reason, Bob. I think your new neighbours are major cats, not sure where they should be going to the toilet. Yeah, and and our cats do go around to the side where that house is. And yeah, we got we got two dogs on the other side, but they don't bury them at all. There's yeah, a brick, brick wall between them. Yeah, it's for two dogs. It's for two dogs, Bob. You just need to get rid of the neighbours. And then... <laughs> no, 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 I'm getting rid of the daughter in five months' time. <laughs> <laughs> the cats and, and the cats are going with us. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> oh, terrific. Thank you very much for solving that. No problems. Good luck, Bob. And we've got Henrik here. He's a nine-month-old male Staffy Cross. He's um, got a beautiful photo. Yeah. He is in heaven in this he's picture. He's super cute. Oh, he's lying on, um, you know, his foster mum's lap and he's got, you know, the head tilted and the tongue hanging out. Eyes that's are just closed. That's pure bliss, isn't it, yeah. that picture? You've got to go check him out. Uh, he's got a bit of a sad start. He's sat in a shelter. He was on death row but uh, Dog Rescue Newcastle have taken him into foster care. So he lives with uh, foster siblings Bella, the Border Collie, and Milo the Cat. So he's really good with other animals, which is great. He is energetic. He is a pup. He needs a lot of exercise every day. He's trying Training's going really well. He's recently learned how to sit. He does enjoy learning and getting lots of praise and treats. So that is the way to train him. He's a very friendly dog. Um, so he he's a bit of a jumper at the moment. If he sees someone, he wants to give them love. So obviously that's something you'd have to keep going with the training. But look, if you would like a happy dog, then please go check him out. As I said, he's nine months old. He's a staffy cross. And if you want all the details, you can head to 2NURFM.com. Any tips on owning a Staffy Cross, Dr. Paul? Having, being a Staffy, a proud Staffy owner myself, they're, they're busy dogs, but they give so much love. They're really, really lovely dogs. And, and they are bouncy, they're energetic, and so, but they're, they're trainable. That, that's all things that you can manage. Um, they're generally very food motivated. So training these guys with food is your best option because they respond really well to food. That's excellent, isn't it? Now, look, we did have a question from David who does a wonderful job uh, taking all of your calls. Now, he's got a a grand pup that he looks after and he said that uh, it stayed on the weekend and they fed him and he refused to eat while they were standing there watching. But as soon as they Uh, walked away, he started eating as normal. So he just wondered what was happening there. Yeah, so two things will be happening there. Certainly, if, if the pup had come to David's Um, and it was the first time he was there feeding, then certainly it's a new location, and so that can make the dog nervous about um, their surroundings. And so when you're eating, you've got to concentrate on the food. Mm. You can't concentrate on what's happening around you. So that's the one thing to consider. The second thing certainly is that lots of dogs are feeling a bit nervous about being watched while they're eat. Yeah. Um, you can't defend yourself correct. when you're hooking into something. That's right. So often it's about the fact that you better, even if you can just turn your back sometimes and maybe leave the room, but literally it's about trying to have them feel safe in the environment. And if they feel safe with you not being present, that's the best way to be. So you just walk away, let them 
walk meet. away, let them eat. Yeah. Is that the same there there thing are some they... dogs who actually prefer you to be there while you're okay. eating. I know Cheryl, yes. you mentioned one of yours is like that. Avalon, oh. we must sit with him while he eats. <laughs> he likes company. Yeah, just don't leave the table. <laughs> We're running out of time, but is that a similar thing when they're going to the toilet? Because you know if a dog's doing a wee and you look at them, they give you that, that look that says, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Go away. Is it the same? Stop I, I, watching Gizzy. Yeah, I think, I think, I think <laughs> let Gizmo do his business in private. Oh, of course. I'm a great... I don't get out the, the phone. And <laughs> That's it for Pet Chat today. We will be back, I think. All of us are back next week. Is I that right? I believe so. Yep, it's a double up next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>